0: Hi, everyone, and welcome back to The K-Hole. I'm Merrick Kay, and joining me this week in The K-Hole is a writer, a film critic, and a longtime friend, Jay Bearhat. Oh, hi. Hello. Hey. I mean, yeah, I was just thinking about this, and I think we've known each other for uh, at least seven years at this point.
1: Yeah, no, I remember, I think the first time we met was actually the first time i had ever come to seattle where i'm
0: right living now
1: i have a distinct memory of us meeting out on the the park area uh rory had introduced us and i was like oh this person's really cool and i don't know how to impress them and so i was just like do you want a copy of my Z? <laughs> that was like of my my, I my brilliant. Wanted a copy that's, of your zine. that's that's my opening line.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's a great opening line, I think. Um I still have that zine. I still have uh, several scenes actually that that you've made yeah. over the years. Um going back to the Tumblr days, uh posting on Tumblr, which uh may it rest in peace.
1: Yeah, it's, it's a real shame that the whole website has just been, like, removed from the internet at this point. They
0: deleted it, yeah.
1: Yeah, no, Yahoo Yahoo bought it specifically to put it into, like, the same chamber that they hold yahoo and, like, all those lost Disney tapes that they're not allowed to release anymore.
0: The lost Disney tapes, yahoo com. Um What's the other one? The
1: original Space Jam, the one that's forgotten. The original original Space Space Jam
0: (laughs) Happy Puppy, Pets.com. All of these great sites will be lost, like tears in rain. Um, I was thinking about this today because I I, uh, floated the idea on Twitter, and this is not an idea that I came up with. This is something I've seen many people say, that we should have a separate internet for people who are under a certain age. And several people replied to say, that's just Tumblr, which is um, provably untrue.
1: Yeah, Uh, no, probably one of the biggest problems with Tumblr is that that's not true.
0: (laughs) It's not. Um, I I think about it, though, because I feel like I was – lucky in a way to basically have this development online where you had email and then we had AOL also very early on, which was kind of its own thing. And then message boards and then Facebook that was just college students and then Twitter and Tumblr. And so there was sort of like a a safe posting environment like if you made a really bad post on a message board that didn't necessarily follow you everywhere.
1: Oh yeah. No, I, I I definitely came up through like similar circumstances where it's like there were different message boards that I was I was on early, like when I was like twelve. For for all my various interests, and they were all pretty pretty siloed off outside of the occasional like, oh, you have a deviant art, I have a deviant art, let's be deviant art friends. Uh, and then whenever uh, the li- wires would get a little too crossed, you could just delete one of those accounts, and that's just it; it would be gone. No one knew about caching mm-hmm. or the way back machine or any any sort of archival means,
0: right? Uh,
1: and it was it was a very nice sort of like I good luck. I'm behind seven proxies sort of situation. But the proxies were just various Internet handles that were usually some variation of like uh, Purple girl 20 or like Looney Tunes fan 1988.
0: One Winged Angel 69.
1: <laughs> uh room with a moose fanatic any any sort of just like this is this i need to sell people on this website like this is my main uh interest right now and that Mm -hmm. is all that you need to know about me
0: right right yeah Lena chains lover um Bubsy fan 420 And,
1: and it was also all about like lying about your age which i feel like is a is a thing that needs to come back cuz it was never like like major lying it would be like you would like add or take away two years depending mm. but it was like enough to kind of like obscure like who was the real person behind behind the screen it wasn't like here's my date of birth and like my medical records and like the street that i live on
0: right i think people should lie more but in ways that are essentially harmless Um, because I think one of the problems with the internet now is not that people obscure their identities and not that they, they hide things about themselves but like the exact opposite, that we have been encouraged for the past decade or so to be public about everything and
1: yeah, no to to just like just not have any any hiding of not only just like your identity but just like your your rawest most like I think they're lying about really minor states. things I, I, in your I, biography I will see people is, online sometimes that'll just be like here are a list of like my phobias and that is like that is terrifying to me is like why would you ever admit that to
0: Why would you a stranger Why would because what you're doing is essentially you, you must have a tremendous amount of trust in in the world to do that. Because to me, doing that is essentially saying, please weaponize these against me.
1: It's, it is explicitly saying, if you wanted to do harm to me with zero personal consequence to yourself, here are the top five ways to do that. here are the most
0: effective ways posting spiders at me posting pictures of my comfort character getting uh decapitated (laughs) um please do not decapitate my comfort character
1: please please. raymond from animal crossing must be held and cherished and if you post a picture of him farting and crying I just can't handle that. Like, I—that's just I, not a vibe I want. I can't
0: right now. see what my comfort character is. Ray Man, and he can't be decapitated because he doesn't have a neck. A sword just passes right through there. It's
1: just, I don't know if it's magnets or some kind of like wizardry or what. But I think it's—I think his body is extremely dense and it has a very strong gravitational pull.
0: Oh, I see. So his thing—his limbs and head are kind of like in orbit yeah that's interesting. I hadn't considered that now, I feel like it's whenever I talk about things like this, I always it it's really easy to just get into old posting or just like, oh, those kids they're just I don't understand how they use the internet and they are using it wrong. but i I guess where I come at this from is seeing like seeing the demonstrable pains that come from using the internet this way and seeing that a lot of people who do don't seem to have great relationships to social media or other people online. And that's not everyone, but I feel like this isn't just a, you're doing doing something in a way I don't understand, but like, I feel like I do understand and I can see how it is hurting you, and I wish I could <laughs> help you, but uh, but I can't. You know?
1: Yeah. No. No. It's it's. I I feel like the, a lot of times the tone gets too much until like ah the the kids these days they're they're ruining the internet. They this isn't these aren't the forums I know. This isn't the posting honor that I used to carry. But it's it's to me it's almost always just like man like how do you how do you post like this? Because even with like my own conceding to, to certain levels of like the new internet culture, there's still just so much stuff where I'm like, I'm not going to like tell strangers on the internet that. I'm not going to like post like this kind of stuff about myself. Like that's no one's, it's not even that it's like no one's business. It's that it's just, it's like, I I have self-preservation instincts that would that keep me from, from doing that. Uh, I get, uh, I have this thing where like people will ask me for advice a lot online it's like a thing that started when i was still on tumblr and i'd get anonymous asks because i would just answer them candidly right Uh, and i feel like easily a fourth of the time my answer ends up being some variation of like the internet is a panopticon and you need to hide from it in any means possible
0: think obfuscating things is one way of doing that because again you can just you can just hide yourself and and there are some people that i know who they just post about their one thing that they do whether that's like old snack foods or i don't know post offices or or whatever um but i feel like you're going to be drawn into that system eventually. And you have to find ways to negotiate it.
1: Yeah. One of my my when I'm giving people advice for identity obfuscation stuff online, like one of the easiest ones I always give is, is just like, you know, if you don't wanna lie about your age or your star sign, just put down like the the slightly wrong birthday like if you were yeah. if you were born february seventeenth nineteen ninety three just say you were born like february twelfth nineteen ninety three and it's like it's only a couple of days off, but that is that is a level of removal by which like your internet persona is now slightly different. They are an a u of you and you but you were five days older and five mm. days wiser, but they're therefore not you anymore. And there's a there's a level of disengagement you're allowing yourself, and also like a level of like, you know, it 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 gives people less information to to use against you, in like in like a weird way. Like I I would be su- the reason I always use birthdays. It's because like you would be surprised how much like a birthday can like give up information about somebody.
0: Yeah. No. I mean, it's it's a big piece of information, uh, and you know people people joke about those posts that are like, hey, post your birthday, like use your birthday and this to get like the, what type of crudes you are <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> like you're this crude. Oh, if you were born in November and your last name starts with this and blah, blah, blah. blah. But like everyone wants information
1: about you. Well, it, like, it, It's like, what's your happy feet OC name Post your mother's maiden name plus Mm -hmm. the name of your first pet and your favorite snack food. And it's like, those are all email security questions. Like those are all how you reset a password for for an email.
0: Right, right. Everyone wants information about you. The internet is like a vortex that is so hungry to know about you. Just like Seaman from that Dreamcast game. (laughs) And I think you should be careful about what you tell it. Uh, that's certainly something that I have dealt with over the years of just going back and forth between, well, maybe if I'm completely transparent and I have no secrets, then no one can uh, can weaponize them against me. That's not true. <laughs> I, I've known people who have thought that and that, that isn't um, really true uh
1: my trick and- oh come
0: on no 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 please go ahead
1: i was going to say my trick is uh my trick is to have fake secrets mm. and then so you kind of leak the you kind of leak those out there in, in various ways and it's like you know it, maybe maybe they're uh, an an approximate of an actual vulnerability but it's like disguising disguising your weak point it, it would be as if you were a boss enemy logging onto Uh, the computer but you've painted a giant red eye on your shoulder and put some sort of cloak on over the giant red eye on your back so the enemies are just shooting right at the you know at your shoulder and it's like the shoulder isn't where my hp bar is but they're never gonna know
0: right or it's like those insects that have eye spots on their wings that are like well, I s that to scare things? I don't know. But you know, there are animals that do this, I think, that are like, please, yes, attack my vulnerable eyes. Just kidding.
1: Just kidding. Those those, those weren't my eyes at all. They they detach and I have gotten away. Well, you are or well, you are busy fighting with collars on my secondary set of wings. I think it's moths that do that.
0: I think it I think you're right. Or just or you know, yeah, a tail that comes off and you grow it back. In the, uh, the fourth grade, our teacher, who was routinely antagonistic towards us uh, and overshared about her family and her issues with her ailing mother, and would raise her voice and just was not the kind of person who should be in education, um, once asked us to write about our worst fears. And... Um, I said, uh, or I thought to myself, there's no way that I'm going to give this, that I'm going to think carefully about what the worst thing that I can think of is and then tell this person who I don't trust (laughs) at all. So I said that I was very afraid of Darth Vader from Star Wars and um, sort of threw her off the scent a little bit because I'm not afraid of Darth Vader. Even then, I wasn't really afraid of Darth Vader Um, but I don't know. I mean, it would be nice to not have to think like that. Um, in a way I sort of envy people who have a more kind of naive approach to life because I think it means that they haven't been burned before by those things.
1: I, a part of me wants to like a part of me, like kind of thinks that I definitely see some people where I'm just like, oh, you haven't experienced betrayal yet. I, I envy you. But I think a lot of them like do because like the way they, because they end up treating other people with like a, a lot of distrust and it's an earned distrust, but it is it is sort of a distrust where the, the assumption is like, oh, well, the problem is that other people are bad and they are, but there's no like awareness of like, okay, maybe I should maybe I should be saving that vulnerability for people who like have kind of earned it. And I think it's because people who are trustworthy usually are going to be put off. If you're, if you are too vulnerable to too early to them, if you're bearing your throat too much, because right. the expectation is like, if you're bearing your throat at me, you want me to bear my throat at you. But I, I build trust on, like, an establishment and not on a, like, we have both shown each other our, our weak spots, our, our fleshy underbellies, and therefore right. we're friends now.
0: Right, right. It's a different approach. And, um, yeah, that approach of just showing all your cards immediately, it feels just much more, it feels aggressive in a, in a perverse kind of way um because like you say it does seem to imply that like there's an expectation of reciprocity
1: i i noticed that people who are very who live very sort of impulse to internet uh, style tend to kind of assume that other people do the same way and so they assume mm. that they can make uh like assumptions about who you are and the way you move through the world based on what you put on the internet Cause like that's 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 part of the reason why I've like observed this so much is because I, I see a lot of people who will get into those arguments and it, it seems very much so like, oh well if you if you said this online, it must be because uh you have this personal relationship to this or this sort of thing affects you in this way. And it's like, no, I think that person just had a thought and maybe they were like, that's funny, or like that's an interesting thing, and they put it on there. And then proceeded about their day uh, going to therapy and cooking a delicious pasta meal for themselves and their dog, whom they give their leftovers to.
0: I think cooking a delicious pasta meal for yourself might be, uh, the next step or actually I think it, it is the step before go to therapy. Um, our friend LB Hunk tears had a tweet the other day that was about how go to therapy has become this kind of, it's kind of become the new get help. Um, which is used by people in a range of situations in which it is more and less applicable. But honestly, just, you know, that old chestnut about your posting from a cracked screen <laughs> uh, with an empty stomach is true more often than not. And um, yeah, just I feel like a delicious pasta meal that you have made for yourself Solves quite a lot of problems. And just, I've been thinking about that lately about just how really simple things affect brains so much. Um, Because I haven't been sleeping very well. And I was thinking about how when I was a kid, I used to just not sleep. I would just, you know, in the summer, I would just stay up all night and. That really plays with your your ability to reason and just your perceptions of the world in some pretty intense ways, uh, as does, you know, not eating enough or, you know, healthy or um, all kinds of things that like we don't usually think of in that way. Like we think of oh, drugs, you know, drugs change your brain and they they affect your perception of the world and that's an artificial external thing that is shaping your perceptions of reality and and, um, shifting you away from reality. But all these things also affect these, these processes, right? Not eating enough or like not sleeping enough or like just really mundane things that I think are so easy to forget about.
1: Oh no! Absolutely, I think one of the coolest things about getting older uh, is discovering that just staying up past your bedtime is basically a drug now. Uh, <laughs> like last night, right? Like I've I've also been having trouble sleeping. I've been having like on and off insomnia because of the sort of lack of a of a proper structure that I've gotten before the quarantine times. And so last night I had a another another bout of insomnia, and so I was like, I'm just gonna go walk all the way to the Seven Eleven and have a, a conversation with the cashier about, wow, did you hear about that uh, the power outages last night? Yeah, that's why we don't have taquitos. And as I was walking back, I was like, this is like I basically like feel like I have after a party where I have been doing like a ton of drinking or drugs, like in my 20s, but it's literally just. 2 a.m. and I haven't gotten any sleep and I'm staring at uh, a man have an argument in the parking lot of a casino while (laughs) through through a face mask which which seems like a a Mm -hmm. very strange image to see of like well you're in a casino at 2 a.m. I don't don't really know if that's already the safest option for you to be making right now Uh, but it's it, it, it really is just like a thing of just like As you are in a body longer, you realize more and more like how small things such as diet, exercise, sleeping, whatever can like really affect you. And that sounds so self-helpy. But I I kind of view it as this like, oh, that's cool. Your body is basically a bunch of like chemicals that you are doing experiments on at all times.
0: And yeah, and those experiments can be can involve you know, taking in an external chemical or they can just involve uh, doing something, you know, sleeping or not sleeping or exercising or being in the sun or anything, which is changing the levels of them inside of your body. Um,
1: oh, that reminds me I been because because I'm out in Seattle uh, and so the sun kind of just stops existing for like a couple months. Uh, right. I've, I've broken out my sun lamp again. Um, but it has a mode where it's like not delivering as much of whatever chemical it uses to trick your brain into thinking you're looking at the sun, but it, it makes it feel like it's daylight in here. And so I'll always just switch it on at about 3 PM, which is when the sun starts to go down here and it's great. Cause I can like for a couple hours pretend that it's still summer. Yeah. And then I turn it off and my brain is just immediately like, whoa, the sun went down like really quickly today. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like really dark, really suddenly. What's up with that?
0: Yeah. I've started using these, those lights that you can change the colors of uh, with your phone.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, The LED.
0: The LEDs. And... um trying to i'm doing experiments on myself on like the effects of color of light on mood and um i i'm mostly I, i'll settle into like a blue or a purple like a dark blue or a purple because i think it at night because i think it makes me feel like i'm uh like at a club or something yeah or like at somewhere just like kind of like relaxing and and fun. Um, And then sometimes they will go red, which uh, is more of, well, I guess it's more of a pink. I'm trying to see it right now. See, the red light feels like, okay, I'm in a bar bathroom and they've set up these lights so that it's very difficult to find a (laughs) vein. I didn't realize that that's why those were there for a long time.
1: But. I, I actually didn't know until I just learned that right now. I'd always assumed it was just like, oh, it's so, it, it, it's like a, because when you're at a bar, a lot of times people go into the bathrooms, they're kind of like, this little, this, it's like to wake me up, like splash water in my face. And I just assumed mm. that the intensity of the red light kind of helps focus that. Also, like it makes the bathroom look less gross because bathrooms at bars it tend does. to look really gross.
0: It does. Yeah. I think. That kind of lighting can just really help with a lot of grotesque situations for sure.
1: It's it's funny because my boyfriend has those lights and he'll do the the red light thing sometimes. Uh, and I'm like is, like, is this just like your animalistic brain being like, red light means like, intimacy time and i'm like i I Mm. see red light and i just think of a gasper noe film so like i don't (laughs) it doesn't makes me just think i'm about to have like a really big think about something that's not really worth it
0: Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. no i mean it's funny some of those the color things i think we have associations with but many of those associations are completely arbitrary um some of them i think have have roots in, you know, biological histories. I, I think I once read that the color yellow is often perceived as uh, like in, in, you know, in nature is often perceived as dangerous or um, unhealthy mm. just because that's often the color that bacteria and pus is, whereas blue is considered to be clean and i suppose that's because that's blue we we see the we see water as blue because of the sky um i don't know i think about i think about this kind of thing a lot of just how many of how many of just the ways that we move through the world are artifacts of historical or evolutionary systems that we just do not understand at all um, and even if we do understand why they're there that doesn't like free us from them um I often feel like people don't go far enough in a lot of this these things if you know people will say well you know um we have these like legacies of uh you know religious domination or um, oppression or whatever and um, we can understand how that like builds into our legal system and things like that but like those things (laughs) shape how we see the world and perceive the world and you know so much of our views about uh, bad people and, uh, and sins and stuff I feel like are coming from This Christian system that is thousands of years old that is just the basis of like the moral universe that everyone basically lives in in the west
1: yeah no there's it's uh I know there's the the old thing of like you are not immune to propaganda but I feel like a lot of people think that by being aware of that that they are but it, it really goes mm. towards, like, any, any context in which you swim in cultural, biological, historical, is that it's like you, you know, we all, we all guide the, the little bumper cars that we uh, are driving around through through history. But at the end of the day, we're kind of doing so within the bumper car track of everything else. And there's only so far that you can bump <laughs> before <laughs> before you before right. you're just going over the edge of it.
0: And um, that's why I feel like certain kinds of practices and drugs can be useful because they can really just throw you out of that. And obviously, you know those experiences are always interpreted through through like your cultural, biological lens or whatever but um I think being able to just sort of like give yourself like a kick, just sort of like bumping yourself up against the edge of that the <laughs> bumper cart uh track and even sometimes like you know, teetering off it a little bit, yeah, can yeah, be yeah. really interesting.
1: It's a I think drugs are great for giving you that that moment of sort of like, kind of lifting you up out of it so for a moment you're less worried about everything bumping around you you know each collision sending you into each thing and you're just kind of able to look at the whole of it and sort of see the see the contours of the track and everything at least at least that's like usually been my experience with drugs is that a lot of times I kind of come out of them understanding more of like the contours of my life and my situation at that time, even, even when like my experience is just like something as dumb as like, Oh, I I went to Burger King and physically could not order food off the menu because I couldn't look (laughs) at it long enough. So I left (laughs) without ordering anything. Uh, But it's, it's sort of like, gave me this sense where it's like the next time I was like at that Burger King, I was just like noticing, I was like, why was this so overstimulating? And it kind of like made, it kind of like brought into sharper focus, the stuff that I always just sort of backgrounded, which is like the ways like fast food restaurants are just like bombarding you with like smells and colors and signage. And like the menu is just like packed with all of these things that like when you're broken of the way in which you normally just like go and look for the one thing you're looking of. You're just like, there's like so much here that is just like packed into the sensory experience of trying to order food to kind of beat down your senses into just being like, okay, I'm going to just tunnel vision into like what I want and not really think about, uh, what the system that I'm participating is in right now.
0: When I was a kid, I, would get like overstimulated a lot by just sensations or um, or images. So, so examples are things like um, just like seams on clothing, mm. or like tags on clothing, um, or even just like you know loud or like intense scenes on television um and and i think a lot of people have that as kids and then they kind of just uh, become a nerd to it which you sort of need to do to move through the world um and, and a lot, part of it is just unfamiliar things and you get used to them but it's interesting to kind of pull away some of that um yeah some of that familiarity and uh look at things again in a way that can be scary or that can be overwhelming but is uh like a reset button almost
1: yeah no i i know that like the overstimulation stuff was like a huge thing that i had to deal with a lot as a kid i used to get like really oh like this is gonna sound like really goofy there is like parts of the grocery store i couldn't go through as a child and i mean like five six seven years old that doesn't sound goofy yeah and it was just because like I want to say it was like the magazine section like there was just like certain covers that I would see there that would just stress me out way too much so I just never wanted to walk down the aisle that the magazines were in and I, I remember at some point in elementary school essentially like I just like made this decision of like I'm gonna force myself to go down there by myself like every time we go to the store now until I'm just over it. And I basically did like nine-year-old me doing exposure therapy, inventing exposure therapy. <laughs> like
0: <laughs> Right, right.
1: Uh, and I think that's sort of what has like gone forward in the way I, like, I approach a lot of drugs because like I I tend to like seek out Times like when I'm doing drug stuff where like I I pursue the overstimulation and not in a way that's necessarily entirely out of control, but it's always a thing where it's like, oh, I like doing them in environments where there's like a lot going on or like doing them. Mm. And then like we go somewhere, but like I have like a, a safety cord to like leave and there's just something that I find like very enjoyable about the experience of of submerging myself in something that like I I'm at the moment like not fully able, like capable of handling, but then coming out of it and being like, "Okay, I did handle that," or like, "Okay, like that was at least a really funny story (laughs) that I got out of it." Yeah, Uh, my my favorite one of those was so I I go to I go to furry cons. This is this is a known fact of my life, and uh, one of the years I went. Uh, the person I was with and I at the time, we did, uh, what is called candy flipping where you take acid and Molly, um, highly don't recommend taking acid at a very con. I mean, may- maybe, maybe if you're, maybe if you like the spice, uh, <laughs> but they're, they're very chaotic. And so we had, uh, laid out on the grass for about five hours, just like smoking and chatting. And it was a really nice, comfy time. And then we're like, oh, you know, there's this thing going on. Let's head back to the room and, like, get set up. And as we're walking up to it, we turn the corner where the elevators are. And it's just, like, chaos because somebody had dropped, like, a case of glass beer bottles. So it's just broken glass and beer, like, everywhere. And people are like, oh, careful, careful. And then this is right before every con has a fursuit parade. So this is right before the fursuit parade. So then all the doors open and every elevator is packed with fursuiters. So they can't see the broken glass and beer on the floor.
0: Oh God. So
1: immediately everyone is jumping up and they're like, oh my God, no, 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 And they're like trying to guide them around it. Like nobody can really hear each other over it. Cause like, they're all wearing like these like big fursuit heads that kind of like d- deafen them a little bit. And then in the middle of this, this guy turns the corner Uh, with like a portable Bluetooth like boombox system. Vaping inside because this is Vegas and you can vape inside there. Blasting like trap house music. So like now people like really can't hear each other and are trying to like charades to these fursuiters like to go around this like, these like puddles of broken glass and, and beer. And I'm just like, wow, this is a lot. And then I turn around, and there is a first suitor who is Hanukkah themed.
0: Uh, now <laughs> no. I'm trying to I'm trying to picture. So, like, like a a candelabra, like a. Like Lumiere, like
1: like he's got the, he's got the well he has like a menorah like a giant menorah I don't remember if he was holding it or if it was like as like a necklace and then like his fursuit suit pattern was like uh, imagine it's like it's Hanukkah like maybe you're with Jewish friends for Hanukkah and there there's like because they'll do like small gifts and so they're like here's our like you know here's your gift and it's wrapped in like blue wrapping paper sort of pattern like Christmas wrapping paper but instead of Christmas trees and stuff it's like dreidels and like stars of David's and sure and so his, yeah. his first suit is patterned like that and he just has a giant menorah and I wanna say a dreidel and like
0: now was this um was was it December?
1: This is in the no this was uh like July like i i I I, again i assume that he had to be hanukkah themed specifically because he has the menorah which is only like a hanukkah thing and that was the point at which i was like this is too much i need to go (laughs) (laughs) because like everything else i was like i can handle this and then seeing that and trying to comprehend exactly that where it's like why hanukkah isn't for like six more like trying to figure out how far away Hanukkah is and just being like I can't I can't go with this so I went back outside and like had another cigarette and then I went back to my room (laughs)
0: You come away from that experience with with anything um, useful or or lasting, or did you develop a fear of broken glass and menorahs? Or
1: um, I mean, I, I got a, I got great stories out of it. Is basically what it comes down to. I think like it was really just a a, a bonding experience because the person I was with also is candy flipping. And so like we were just standing outside smoking and we were just like trying to it two people who are both on drugs trying to like verify that the thing that the stuff that they just saw happen did in fact happen and what elements of it were like uh the the effects of the drugs and what effects of it were like actually things happening is a very right. very unique kind of experience <laughs> um Sort of like if the two blind mice feeling the elephant uh, got together afterwards and were like trying to recall that time they were feeling up now, the elephant.
0: Was that mice, or did you just combine <laughs> the elephant thing with three blind mice? I is it mice? I, th- I could have sworn they were mice. I, th- I think it's just. I think it's just guys. Just blind guys. Because if an if a mouse is is trying to figure out what an elephant is, they're all just going to be like, "Oh, it's it's a leathery foot." Oh, I guess that makes sense. Unless they're climbing all over it. Yeah. Also, mice can't talk. So how would they? How would they? Be? Well, they can talk to each
1: other. Like maybe they're. True. they're they goes west rules
0: with the mice. That's true. Mice can't talk to each other. Hey, it's strange that Fivel goes west happened. Considering that the first movie is like a Holocaust metaphor. And then it's just, what if we just did Cowboys?
1: I actually always forget that Five Goes West is, in fact, a sequel. It is a sequel. <laughs> yeah. you
0: no, know, I think a lot of people do. Um, I do because it's just such a memorable name. Yeah. Uh, but no, in fact, the first Five film is just about mouse genocide.
1: Yeah, that is like a now, weird.
0: Now, does the five does that movie predate Mouse the comic? Oh. Is my question. I I I an American I, Tale is the name of the original five little movie. Right, is a nineteen eighty six film. Okay. Uh, the comic Mouse debuted in
1: nineteen ninety one. Wow! I can't Art Spiegelman. So,
0: Art Spiegelman. Ripped off Don Bluth.
1: It's, you You know, you hate to see it. You hate to see highbrow media taking from lowbrow media and claiming it as its own. It's, this is pop art all over again. Yeah. This is, this is a real, uh, uh what's his name? The Roy Lieberman.
0: Uh, the, I believe that is his name, the pop art guy. Yeah,
1: right? yeah, the guy who who draw the the comic panels. Wow, I maybe art people wanted to just do like a graphic novelization of American Tale and he couldn't get the rights, so he oh. just drew on his own experiences instead.
0: Don Bluth said no. Yeah. So he said, "I guess I'll have to make one of the most acclaimed graphic novels of all time."
1: Uh. Those are his exact words, actually. Or maybe it's like like how Fifty Shades of Grey was like Twilight fan fiction originally. Like maybe it was supposed to take place within the same universe. And then he just kind of took out some of the identifying features of that. Did you know, I'm just
0: learning this now, but did you know that Art Spiegelman co-created the Garbage Pail Kids? I did not know that.
1: Wait, how did you co-create those? Was it just like they were like, we should have some sort of garbage pail creatures? What if
0: there was a garbage pail like adult or something and Art Beagle was like I don't know, a little bit of a little bit of the little bit of a little bit of a little bit I,
1: could, I could a he, he, he feels like he'd have of a he of like little sort of of uh, of like I don't know. Yeah,
0: I mean, you know, if you're a a, a cartoonist in the '60s or '50s or '60s, you've, you've probably got some kind of industry job doing design work, and he just happened to invent wacky packages and the Garbage Bail Kids, which is, um, I don't know that I will ever stop thinking about
1: that. It's the, it's a really Incredible connection. <laughs> oh, I'm trying to think of like other weird connections that I've I've made recently. I found out that do you remember that movie that came out like a year ago the the house with a clock in it starring Jack Black?
0: I do like the, vaguely. It's
1: like a it was like a like a one of those like weird forgettable like young adult fiction adapted into a. a movie.
0: It was a a. Uh, unfortunate events kind of thing
1: yeah do you know who directed it who was that eli roth the hostile guy yeah huh and it's like i don't think he's directed anything else that would be appropriately called child friendly except for that film i have no idea how he ended up on that project
0: He just wanted to do something for the kids, yeah,
1: he was just like my 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 theoretical children that he, my little Rothlings they just love this book about the the wall about the house with a clock and its wall, and I need to get my buddy Jack Black together, and we're gonna make this into a film, and it'll be something I can show my daughter because I can't show them a single one of my other movies. A surprising amount of Hollywood production I've learned is driven by people wanting to make something that they can show their daughter.
0: I think that's true. I think that's true.
1: Because, like, what, what critic do you want to impress more than your your own spawn?
0: I often think about... Do you ever... Do you, you know when they brought ghostbusters back a few years ago Mm -hmm. they they did that thing in the the trailer where these kids discover the stuff and they're like what's what are these old things um and then someone has to be like well let me tell you about the ghostbusters i don't know if that happened or if that was a different movie but i often think about the angry video game nerd uh his his children finding his old shirt and and glasses and uh just like a list of invented cusses and a M- copy of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde.
1: An empty bottle of rolling rock.
0: An empty bottle of rolling <laughs> rock. What is all this old stuff? And uh then he has to explain it to them.
1: And then he he lives up to the story. He's like, children, let me take you back to the past. Wow. And then that's that's the start of the AVGN biopic. Starring Daniel Day Lewis as old AVGN. God, please,
0: please let me direct. I would give anything
1: and then to direct that. Who would you cast as young AVGN? Like, like peak peak oh. era, like Ghostbusters the video game era. James Earl. Oh, Rolf. geez.
0: Um, this is going to sound mean, but it's just because I was thinking of him earlier today. Um, uh, what's his name? Ah, uh, Christopher Platz. is that his name
1: Christopher Platz.
0: Christopher Mintz Platz. he uh he is in super bad
1: oh
0: no yeah I could see that I could see that I don't think he has the jawline necessarily um but he is the first person who who came to mind I, I think he he can sort of pull off that kind of like boyish. Enthusiasm. If you look at sort of newer, newer photos of him, yeah, uh, he. The, the problem is, you really need someone who can do the face, um, who can just pull, who can just create, just an uh, an inverted U <laughs> with their mouth, and that's a talent, and that's going to be something that, that you have going to be. We're, we may have to put that in, in a post.
1: It's going to be CGI'd on.
0: We might have to CGI that cuz I don't know that anyone else can do that. It's
1: like it's like in those movies when they make the cats and dogs appear to be talking and they're moving their mouths. Yeah. You're doing that to get the AVGN frown on him.
0: God, yes. I I'm looking at my cat right now and she's sleeping, but mm-hmm. there have been times when I've um been taking drugs and I've seen her looking at me and felt like, not like that, oh, she is judging me for taking drugs, but that it's like I've been rewatching The Lord of the Rings. And um, you know how when Frodo puts on the one ring, Sauron's eye can see him? Yeah. It's kind of like that, um, where when I take a drug, I feel like my cat knows and can can see that I have entered this plane of existence that is like closer to the animal world. Um, like the animal level of cognition. Um, and she is aware of that and just sort of like, not judgmental of it, not critical, but just aware and knows. And, um, and it's just like looking directly like at me for real you know
1: yeah no i i i definitely know what you mean the the being around an animal and this animal knows that i am not only on drugs but also understands that we have been brought the 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 the, the hierarchy of species has momentarily been disrupted between us i can't right i can't be around animals on drugs not because of like like a stress thing i just i get too like emotional (laughs) that is
0: a problem for me even when i am not on drugs so i empathize with that um because they're so perfect
1: exactly and
0: and just incredible and there are animals that live inside right isn't that crazy
1: it's also, I get this like weird assumption in my brain where it's like animals have a job and like that job is to make people like happy and like, and like enrich their lives. And so when I'm on drugs, I'm like, I am, I, I don't under recognize myself as a receiver of that work. I recognize, my, mm. I see myself as like, no, like I can't, like I'm on drugs. Like I don't need that right now. Like this, I'm keeping this animal away from their job. And like, that's oh, what makes no. me so emotional is I feel, like, I feel like I'm like burdening this animal in some way. Or I feel like I am receiving the the job and I'm like, oh, how fortunate of me to be uh, assigned this dog or cat in this time.
0: <laughs> the equivalent of trying to, maybe of trying to order something at Danny's uh, while well, under the influence and just apologetically trying to phrase that you want the hobbit grand slam (laughs) to the waitress who is just being really understanding and just trying to do her job and you're so sorry but please can i have the hobbit grand slam
1: this i'm so glad for the the hobbit special menu that came out because the it was beautiful the the best menu item from it the hobbit hole they've retained uh as eggs in a basket
0: sorry they had something called the hobbit hole
1: yes which is i unfortunately very delicious and i know this because i ordered it sight unseen based on seeing the name on the menu and it's just like an it's like an egg cooked into like toast with cheese on it. And it's really, really good, unfortunately. And so they they did keep it. But that every time I good. see it, I'm like, oh, that's the Hobbit hole. And I have to stop myself from ordering it as such because inevitably my waiter is going to be somebody who was like 12 when the Hobbit movie came out. <laughs> and so it doesn't know what right. I'm talking about.
0: Yeah, yeah. You don't want to reveal your your power level to them by talking about the hobbit movie um i think it's a real shame that that phrase has been basically co-opted or owned by some really repugnant people because i think more people should should learn to hide their power levels in terms of just their personal identities and um you know, coming back to what we were talking about, just, uh, just making things up, lying, concealing, um, just becoming fabulous in a way that is, again, not for personal gain or to deceive others for malicious purposes, but just as a kind of evolutionary survival tactic.
1: Yeah, no, it's when when we were talking about it earlier, I had to, I stopped myself from using the phrase uh, "hiding your power level" because I was like, "Oh, that is now uh, a term that is used by Nazis to mean uh, don't tell people that you're a Nazi unless they are as well." But it's right. but to me, it's like, "Oh, I, I associate it with the old time uses to just like, oh, like I don't worry, I'm hiding my power level." and that I am going to s- give some information to the internet but I am going to obscure enough details that like you can't identify there, there's no like distinguishing identifying thing where you can show this story to a coworker and they're not going to be like that's my coworker Sam who I now know posts uh, on R9K about how much they hate the slushy machine at our job
0: <laughs> right Right, exactly, exactly.
1: Which uh, another reason, actually, great example of why people should is that I once found a coworker's Twitter uh, because they were not hiding their power level, and they had posted enough details that I came across it, and I was like, "I know this, I know these details. Like, this is a, someone I work with," and I figured out who it was, and I found out from it that they were a Transformers Fujoshi, which was a very funny thing to learn about somebody I work with. <laughs>
0: And then you hounded them off the internet because they're a moral degenerate who wants to see Transformers have sex. I
1: think it's, I think, what is, has anybody analyzed the power dynamics between Transformers? Because they're like a... I'm certain, I am
0: 100% certain. Because I feel like they're
1: a militaristic species so there's, like, a lot well, of hierarchy involved in, in their relationships, right?
0: They It's complicated. Okay. There is a... To be just completely earnest for a second, mm-hmm. this is not a lie, there's a very good Transformers comic series called More Than Meets the Eye, later called Last Light, or Lost Light? I think Lost Light. And um, it gets into the society of the transformers and the trauma that they have from fighting a war for millions of years and the fact that some of them were created just to fight in the war uh and there's one that menstruates and that's (laughs) kind of his his power um and um one of them incubates a baby for a while and these are official official comics um they're they're very good and i i sort of fell into transformers a few years ago through those comics and then and then got out because most of the work around that franchise is not very interesting or good because it's primarily for children and it's primarily to sell toys um but i just found it so fascinating that there was this like high concept comic series that took all these questions about like trauma and identity and all these things is based on a 1980s toy franchise about robots that turn into cars.
1: Yeah. No, I, I I feel like that that was probably the same thing that my coworker was fascinated by. But I I love the idea of people taking just these like otherwise dead-end intellectual properties, like the most like this is invented as a way to sell you a toy uh and to just be like okay but what if the lore that you invented for these children's toys was real and what would that mean for the the toys that you invented to be put into this world i have like a right. like my my uh deepest current guilt is that I am actually interested in the Riverdale staff or whatever's take on Powerpuff Girls that's coming out. Is this a
0: live action series?
1: I, I believe so. I'm I'm pretty sure it's from this it's either from the same people or it's like the same producer and they're applying the same winning formula of Riverdale, which is to mm-hmm. take a beloved children's franchise and then make it for teenagers who write fan fiction about uh beloved children's franchise characters like fighting the mafia or whatever Mm -hmm. and apparently it's going to be about the powerpuff girls as like young adults uh and dealing with like the fact that like oh we gave up our entire childhood to like fight crime and like how much that sucks and I, a lot of the reactions to it were people being like, "But the Powerpuff Girls like love fighting, and also like they do have childhoods. This isn't accurate to the canon of the show at all." And i like, I don't, I don't care. I think that's a funny concept. <laughs> just, like, I, I'm gonna watch it anyway. <laughs> I'm probably gonna, I'm gonna probably think it's a fucking blast. I, I don't want to see a adult grown up Powerpuff Girls series that's based on the actual canon because that would just be a new Marvel show.
0: That's true. That is true.
1: I want to see Bubbles have a guilt complex about her role in the prison industrial complex. (laughs) I I don't want to see Bubbles grow up and be like, now I'm 18 and I love to fight crime and I'm played by um, a... C-list like Scarlett Johansson uh type actress mm-hmm. who's will now spend the rest of her career trying to get out from under my role.
0: Yeah, we don't need that.
1: I I forget, have you ever watched any of Riverdale?
0: I've seen a couple of episodes of Riverdale, but I stopped watching it because I and morally against television about attractive young people
1: that's that's totally fair i i unfortunately um, i can't i can't uh recommend the show then on <laughs> because that is explicitly the entire premise of the show <laughs> well
0: i yeah no, I did watch a few episodes um but no, I think the television should be mainly about unattractive older men um I think The Sopranos is really just like a kind of well, I say I shouldn't say unattractive, not convention, I don't even know if that's if that's right, but
1: not you know. not like sex objects, like correct. Like there's there's definitely distinguish a distinguishment between like Cole Sprouse's Jughead, where he has that like weirdo mm-hmm. unattractive, but it's very like you can put them on a backpack and sell it to kids. Absolutely. Whereas Tony Soprano, I think, is very attractive. I mean, of course. But you put them on a t-shirt and then you just like slap the Sopranos logo on it and you sell it to Walmart. It's not like people are buying it because they're like, oh, I have such a crush on Tony Soprano. I mean, I do, but that's that's not why most people of are course. buying it.
0: I mean, they should. They should, though.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's, I think having television move more towards those sorts of figures is how you end up in a place where people are more willing to engage with the erotic charge uh, of an older mafia dad going to therapy and crying about ducks. I've only watched like a couple of (laughs) Sopranos. (laughs) I've never seen The Sopranos, but as I
0: understand it, it is mostly about uh, having very intense feelings about waterfowl.
1: It's, it's a major, major plot thread, at least in the, the few episodes I watched. Also, I think he just goes to therapy for most of the series.
0: I believe that's correct. Basically, do it for this episode of the K Hole. Uh, you can find Jay online at Fussy Baby Bitch on Twitter. And do you want to tell people about the Film Critters or anything
1: else? Oh yeah, no, I was, I was going to ask. Um, so, Film Critters is a project that I do mm-hmm. with my co-host Baru, uh, who a, a very a very cute dog on Twitter. Um. And it is a podcast slash occasional video essay series that we do. You can find it on YouTube under Film Critters. Uh, I think even just if you just go to youtube.com forward slash Film Critters, uh, and we talk about new releases. We uh, For our video essays, we usually go back and look at older films and kind of like, do a deeper dive into them, place them in the context of when they came out and talk about like elements of the film that we think is underappreciated. Uh, and we also do for our Patreons uh, every month, we do an episode where we just kind of like do a, a more podcast sort of casual conversation about a, an older film. Uh, and it's a lot of fun. It's been, it's been something we've been working on for about a, a year or so now.
0: Yeah, it's great stuff. It's, uh, I was actually just talking about it, about Film Critters the other day when uh, I was talking about starting a fight club because I haven't been sleeping and that's kind of the natural progression. Yeah. <laughs> of how that works. But I was talking about the fight club episode, which is a little while ago, but is, is one of my favorites.
1: Oh, thank you. Uh,
0: what's that one called?
1: Um, it's, uh, the homoeroticism of Fight Club, I know, is, like, the, the subtitle of it, but I forget. Right. The,
0: and then it's, I think, the, it's not the Chad and the Virgin, but it's something like
1: that. Uh, Brad and the Virgin. Brad and the Virgin, of course. Yeah, I, of I course. was trying to remember the bit we did with it, too, because I remember that Baru did a cute little graphic where it's Brad Pitt as the Chad and Edward Norton as the Virgin.
0: <laughs> yes. Well... Uh, thank you again for coming on. Oh, thank you for having me. And uh, and we will see you next week, everyone. Bye.
1: The K-Hole is a FanBuy.com production. Hosted by Merritt K. And produced by Jordan Mallory. Follow Merit on Twitter, at Merritt K. Follow Jordan on Twitter, at Jordan underscore Mallory. For more information about furry conventions in your area, visit fanby.com slash podcasts. And please remember to stay hydrated when rolling on Molly.